When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. It is Amber and Ian, the first night of Amber and Ian. Amber and Ian is presented to you by Progressive Insurance. ESPN NFL insider Dan Graziano joins Amber and Ian here on our first night. And Graz, thanks so much for your time. Our producer James Steele's heart stopped earlier. The sky fell. His world shattered because we got the news from head coach Andy Reid that Travis Kelsey had hyperextended his knee in practice today. Now, the reports look pretty decent. It doesn't seem like there's any structural damage here. But what is the latest that you have for us on Kelsey? Yeah, it's the kind of thing my understanding of checking in with people just, you know, on, on Tuesday evening is, you know, that they're optimistic and encouraged by what they've seen so far. But you know, there's swelling in there and, and they have to wait for some of that to go down before they can do some more testing. So they'll know more in the next couple of days. Obviously, he's in jeopardy of missing the opener, which is, you know, in, in a matter of, of, of hours, right? Like 36 hours or something. But um yeah, I, I think it's I think it's obviously bad timing, but it does sound at least in the early returns as if they avoided something uh, completely disastrous. Just a shame for the Chiefs. Like, you know, you're not going to have Chris Jones for this game. It looks like, barring a miracle, you know, contract resolution at the last second. And now Kelsey, there's only one Chiefs name you could say that would be uh, more dire than those two. If you're talking about having to go into the season uh, with those guys on, but not not available. Yeah, the Kelsey injury moved the number a, a point and a half. I mean, that's a tight end. That, that mean, shows you how important this dude is, coupled with Chris Jones. And what? So you mentioned CJ. What is the latest on Chris Jones and the Chiefs? That's the other thing Andy said in the press conference. Right? Was the no progress. So the the problem with the Chris Jones situation has been since the outset the gap between the highest paid defensive tackle in the league, which is Aaron Donald, around $32 million, and the second highest, which is Quinn Williams, at about $24 million. That's a big gap. That's, I mean, yeah. that's, a, that's a 33% increase and a lot of room to negotiate, and they just have not been able to land on a number uh, in the middle there, and, and he's still asking for more than they want to give. So uh, he has indicated publicly on social media that he's willing to hold out and miss games, a number of them. He said he could wait till week eight. Uh, so this is something where there might not be any end in sight. Look, there's a deal to be done. Uh, it's just a matter of, of who blinks first. And so far he hasn't. And I think he's betting that they will, especially if they go out there Thursday night and give up a bunch of points to a really hungry Lions team that looks capable of scoring a lot of points. Dan Graziano joining us here on Amber and Ian. So since we're talking holdouts, let's talk about the other biggest name that's holding out right now, and that's Nick Bosa. Is there any progress there? Yeah, I still feel like this is one that gets done. I, I think they're of the of the big deals going on right now. Like the two that I think I feel confident saying will get done in time are Bosa and, and Joe Burrow. And I, I just feel like it's just it's just too obvious. I, and I keep I keep bringing up the comparison with Bosa to T.J. Watt from two years ago with Pittsburgh, who signed his extension on the Thursday of the first week, three days before you know the, the opener, and. Um, 
there's still time for Bosa to get this done. In terms of him being away from camp, he's done, obviously he goes to training camp, but, but otherwise he does most of his off-season work off-site anyway, so they know where he's training and with whom, and they feel like he'll be in shape when he shows up. So if this were to get signed in the next couple of days, it wouldn't be a surprise to see Bosa on the field even for week one. But I, I will say, I mean, it is taking longer than I expected, and I think it's taking longer than the 49ers expected too. What do you make of Chandler Jones's Instagram post for the Las Vegas Raiders where he said, bleep it, I don't want to play for the Raiders if that's my head coach or GM. I want Patrick Graham, Ivy League, bleep, bleep. I mean, he went off. So he's now deleted it all, but we all know once you post it, it's out there forever, Graz. What the heck is going on in Vegas? Well, I think the football, the technical football term for that is not good. Uh, I think it's, it's not no bueno. Uh, what you want? Look, I mean, look. This is a situation. I, I don't. I do. This is speculate. Like we talk about, we analyze like what the guy meant when he did this on Instagram. It seems like it was pretty clear about what he meant, but then he deleted it. Uh, so, it, look, it's it's a it's a situation in Vegas where it hasn't gone well. Like Chandler Jones signed there last year, and they thought it they thought it would sort of infuse a, a, a defense that. You know that expected to be a lot better than it turned out to be, and and you know we've heard Devontae Adams express frustration over the way they handled Derek Carr and the fact that Carr is not there anymore, and you know it, it wouldn't be the first time we saw a star player chafe uh, under Josh McDaniels going back to his days as head coach of Denver. So without really knowing what's going on behind the scenes there, and obviously we're trying to find out, uh, without really knowing much detail about it, um, I think we just kind of put it in that in that old bucket of. You know, is this player discontent under Josh McDaniels, and does it bode ill for the Raiders going forward? I think it's fair to believe that that it very well might. Graz, uh, DJ Reed for the New York Jets, he said <laughs> that uh, the Jets' defense could be go. historic, and he even likened them to the 85-86 Bears. Are they yeah. sipping their own juice a little too much, Graz? Like, this thing's spinning out of control. They're drinking that Kool-Aid. I give B.J. Reed a little bit of a break here because I believe he's he's too young to really understand how good that team was. Uh, right, right. right. Like that yeah. was, when you look at what they accomplished, um, uh, you know, uh, we were on Get Up on Tuesday morning. Greeny said, you know, best team he's ever seen in pro sports, and I, I think I think there's a strong case for it. I really do. I, I, they were they were utterly dominant in ways that that I don't think would make sense to people who watch football today and see all these points scored. Uh, look. It's the first time that I thought, oh, man, this sounds like back in 2011 when Vince Young said the Eagles look like a dream team. That, that's the first time I thought that about the Jets this offseason, and, and certainly they've had opportunities to sound that way. They haven't. So you do worry. Look, if, they, if he turns out to be right, then, man, then the rest of us will all be shutting up and they'll be rolling to the Super Bowl. But – yeah, I think it's I think it's time for the Jets to get on the field and 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 show us all what this looks like because uh, you know if they're going to be an elite defense and Aaron Rodgers is going to be healthy and playing like he did two three years ago then they're going to be really really tough to beat uh, but if they're going to be a defense that's as good as the eighty five Bears then frankly they didn't need to go get Aaron Rodgers. 
It's, well, it's good that they're setting the bar low uh, because the right, bar is already right. so low uh, for that team. Certainly not enough hype yeah. around that team, not enough we attention could be on like, that team. You know, the Avengers when they fought off Thanos. Like, yeah, like, it's a little bit. It's a little bit much. Like, let's, let's get out there. By, by the way, I guarantee you, Sean McDermott's got going to mention that in uh, in a team meeting this week in Buffalo if he hasn't already. <laughs> Absolutely, Dan Graziano, NFL Insider. Thanks, Dan. My pleasure. So the Jets have set the expectation, Ian, at the very humble mark of the greatest defense to ever play the game. And also, DJ Reed mentioned, I believe, the Legion of Boom as well. So the Seattle Seahawks, what was that, the 2013 Seahawks, the 85-86 Chicago Bears, and the 2023 New York Jets. I don't think Monfrey Reed has any historical context about the 85 Bears. Let's just stay there, right. right, alone. Because when you invoke those guys, how many are in Canton, first of all? And second, the 85 Bears on their way to the Super Bowl, where they absolutely embarrassed not just the Patriots, but every member of the Patriots players' families. They had 39 drives. 39 in that postseason until they gave up a touchdown. Their first two playoff games for the 85 Bears were shutouts. Shutouts! Mm -hmm. And you're comparing this defense to those dudes? And then the Legion of Boom, I'm doing a game in New York where the Super Bowl is going to be played. It's week 15. It's Seahawks-Giants. Fourth quarter, I'm behind the Seahawks bench. You're also invoking this squad, right? 85 Bears is standalone, but you're going to go ahead and, and, have to, and put a cherry on top with a Legion of Boom where a, a GA or QC, it's the NFL, not college, quality control coach comes over to, I think it was Bruce Irvin, and says, you know, the Giants haven't crossed a 50. Irvin calls the entire defense together and says, new goal, bleep the shutout. These dudes don't cross the 50. <laughs> and they did. They got to the 47. And the Seahawks defense, they acted like they lost the game. Oh my goodness! That th- those are the two units. Right, you're, you're uh, come. That's where you want to set the bar, Coach. What Woo. are you doing? I mean, he was born in 1996. He's only 26 years old, so he certainly doesn't remember the 85-86 Bears. That was about a decade before his time. Even the Legion of Boom. He was very young. Overall, when that was happening in 2013, but man, has he set the expectations for 2023. I'm not sure the Jets needed that. I feel like all eyes are on that team regardless. Coming up next, we're going to go back to college football. Is the Dabo dynasty over before it even really started? We'll get into that. ESPN Radio is also on the ESPN app. Hi, it's Mike Greenberg letting you know ESPN Bet is ready to take you through all the biggest sports moments this spring. The official sportsbook of ESPN has exclusive offers and markets from Scott Van Pelt, Stephen A. Smith, and me, plus many more. From the playoff intensity to finally getting out to the ballpark, there's no better time for sports fans. Sign up today. New users get a bet reset up to $1,000 in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. Download ESPN Bet today. What a play. Must be 21 plus and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. See app for details. This podcast is proud to be supported by Jets Pizza, the number one pick in Detroit-style pizza. Why? It's simple. 
Jets is better. With the thickest, crispiest, cheesiest Detroit-style pizza in the country, there's no competition. Right now, get $5 off any eight-corner pizza with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Go to jetspizza.com to learn more and find a location near you. Again, try Jets' signature eight-corner pizza and get $5 off with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Jets Pizza. Better because it has to be. No problem for Duke. The Duke Blue Devils and Riley Leonard as they took down Clemson 28 to 7. We haven't even gotten into this upset in college football on tonight's show. Amber and Ian with you. Ian Fitzsimmons. Amber Wilson on the first night of Amber and Ian. Ian Fitzsimmons, of course, one of our voices on our college football coverage here at ESPN Radio. That game was shocking to a whole lot of people. Sitting here at the hotel in Bristol, flew in last night, and watching the game, I'm going, okay, week one, Mike Elko's boys at Duke. I mean, they're going to, that's an eight win team from last year. You know, Riley Leonard back. Uh, he, he had a solid game, especially on the ground, the quarterback for Duke. But I, I couldn't get over the miscues for the Clemson Tigers. That, that is not a Dabo Sweeney team that I would ever recognize. You think about this. I think they were 58-0 and when Clemson is thrown for 200 yards and rushed for 200 yards. Well, they threw for over 200, ran for over 200, and lost for the first time ever. So, And, and the fumbles inside the 10, mm-hmm. especially the one on the goal line, I mean, that's just so remarkably uncharacteristic. But even if they score, right, even if they win by one, I mean, that's, that's something Bill Parcells would refer to as a coachable win where you can absolutely unload, undress your players, even though you got the win. It's a, it's remarkably effective in a coachable moment. Dabo didn't have that luxury. Mm-hmm. It was hard to watch in the end. If you're a Clemson fan, you basked in the glory if you're a Duke fan. That, that was I, I don't know who that team was, but I'll tell you this, Amber. Dabo's going to have to change. And I've known Dabo. We went to college together at Alabama. I mean, and, and I love him to death. But he is very prideful. And if he says he's not going to hit the portal, then he's not going to hit the portal. He doesn't want to go you know, try and steal from one of his friends in the coaching profession. Well, Mike Krzyzewski, remember when one and Duns first came out? He said, I'm not doing one and Duns here at Duke. Mm-hmm. And he got, his, he got chicken kicked for a couple of years. You know what he did after that? One and Duns. One and Duns. Hey, Dabo, you might want to call Coach K down the road on the team that just whooped you. It looked like the Cameron Crazies out there on that field. Because he's going to have to change and hit the transfer portal and realize that NIL is not about name, image, likeness. It's now it's legal. And that's by big part of the transfer portal. And he has to improvise, adapt, or they're done. Or they're done. And a lot of this landscape is changing so quickly in college football. You're either in or you're out. If you're out on the current landscape, then you're out. Because this is headed a direction that Dabo Sweeney is being left behind. And it's not like it's going to all of a sudden revert. Even if you had some changes when it comes to NIL. Right now, it's still the wild, wild west, right? So I could see a world in a few years here where maybe you end up getting some federal regulation. Maybe you that's, end up getting some uniformity amongst states 
states with their laws. Maybe universities come together. Maybe the conferences end up having some power that the NCAA had relinquished here over the last 20 years. There's things that could happen with the NIL landscape that provides a bit more uniformity. So it's not quite what we have now, but it's never going back to what it was before NIL existed. No, I mean, it's it, something it, it, that should have happened decades ago that it, we've all been screaming for forever because, of course, the kids should benefit off of their own name images. Like, like we could have our own conversation about booster collectives, about the minutia in these laws, about the differences between university, from university to university, nevertheless, from state to state. There's a lot of complexities when you are dealing with this as a head football coach, but it's not going back no, to what it, it was it, like when Clemson was winning with Trevor Lawrence. Well, and here's the thing. Clemson has not had a double-digit win season in over a decade. It's 12 years ago that that, the last time they didn't have at least 10 dubs, Mm -hmm. which is remarkable. And when I say they're going to be done, I'm not talking about this year. I still think that that they run the gauntlet, they're going to be in the hunt for the college football playoff. Really? Oh, yeah. Even after this? Yep. So they can bounce back from losing, not just losing to Duke, but it was they got to run the table. They have, they have, they've got a, they 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 don't have the luxury that LSU has. LSU could stumble somewhere down the road in a close game, whether it's at Alabama, and because of the strength of their schedule and that gauntlet in the SEC, right. they still have enough meat on their bone. We've seen a two loss team get into the college football playoff, well, especially if FSU stays at the top too. So that, that makes that it's not loss, happening with Duke. <laughs> yeah, well, that's the problem. But I, I think I'm not going to give up on Dabo this year. But I'm telling when I say I think they they they're done. That means if he doesn't start to do what Coach K did, and that is adapt. Nick Saban used to be a ground and pound guy. Mm-hmm. When was the last time you saw an Alabama quarterback under center? Right, he improvised, he adapted. I mean, but that's adapting a uh, game plan. Like uh, coaches can do that. But, but Coach K was one and done. He adapted to the new rules. Mm-hmm. You know, Nick Saban has embraced the portal. All the greats have embraced the portal. You got Georgia players playing at Texas. You got Texas players playing at Bama. You got Bama players playing at you know TCU and USC. I mean, Dabo, his whole thing was we 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 bring in a certain player here to fit our culture. Well, you were recruiting a lot of these guys. You wanted them because you did believe they fit. They chose to go elsewhere. When you see one of those guys hit the portal and you believe they were a fit, why aren't they now? Right. Go get them. He has to because everybody else is. And that's what's going to leave him behind if he doesn't adapt. I just wonder if recruiting the portal is now an entirely new skill set. And I wonder if Dabo possesses that. And I don't know if that is the same as going into the living room with the parents great point. and sitting down and you're Dabo Not. and you're talking about, and we know with Dabo and he's really committed to his faith and all that, that's kind of a different thing. If you're sitting there, you're in mom and dad's living room. This is how I'm going to take care of your young man, right? Of course, you're, he's going to be safe here and we're going to make sure that he gets all the right things that he needs to be in life, successful in life far beyond what we're doing here on the football field. He can sell all of that, right? To the parents in the living room. He could be really good at the high school recruiting trail. That's a whole different ballgame when you're talking about the transfer portal. Because now you're just going adult to adult, essentially, because that's what you're doing. Yep. Now you're recruiting what we, you know, we, we still, you and I call you gotta, kids. You got to recruit your own But it's a whole roster. different thing. You got to recruit and your own. And then you also have to recruit them to stay. And Nick Saban has guys that are just doing one thing, mm-hmm. monitoring the portal. Right. Kirby Smart at Georgia, he has guys doing one thing. They have one job. And Kirby's done Monitor it better than the Saban's portal. Done it. Yeah. I mean, all the big boys. Lincoln Riley, USC, Lane Kiffin, Ole Miss, Ryan Day, 
Ohio State, they all have guys that are monitoring the portal. Now you have to know. got to do it. You not only now have to know everybody in high school across the entire country. And JUCO. Right. But now and, on top of that, yes. you have to know everybody Amen. at all of these schools, and including the Power Five. It's, it's, it's insane what's happened. I, I could understand why some of these old score coaches are so frustrated. I think the transfer portal, portal would be much more difficult, frankly, to navigate than NIL. Like NIL is one thing. But listen, kids have been money's been exchanging hands. You're right. The portal's a completely different thing. The portal's a whole different thing that we were not dealing with before. And I just wonder if some of these coaches are getting left behind. Coming up next, why did the ACC add Cal and Stanford and SMU? We will ask the commissioner of the ACC. Pulling along here on Amber and Ian. Amber and Ian is presented to you by Progressive Insurance. Find him at Ian Fitz ESPN. Find me as well at Amber W Sports. It is a crazy time in collegiate sports. Never a dull day. Let's bring in ACC Commissioner Jim Phillips. And Jim, thanks so much for joining us. You have... A crazy time that you're navigating with conference expansion and everything else, but also you attended four football games in your conference this weekend alone. Tell me how that works from a scheduling perspective for the commissioner of the ACC. Well, first of all, I can't believe they pay me to do that, Amber. So that, let's get that out of the way now. Listen, um, it, it's, it's really what you need to be doing and what I really enjoy doing, and that's being there for our teams, our coaches, and our student-athletes. Um, started the weekend on Saturday down in Nashville, um, Tennessee, and Virginia. It was the first time Virginia had taken the field since that horrendous tragedy last fall um, on the campus in Charlottesville. And it felt it was really important for me to make that. That was a noon game and um, had a chance to support those student-athletes and jumped on a plane and got over to Charlotte to, to um, watch the UNC South Carolina game. Uh, great crowd and, and great outcome. Um, got to church, most importantly, on Sunday morning and then flew off to Orlando and another just a, an incredible game with Florida State and LSU. Uh, really proud of the, the Knowles and, and um, how they bounced back in the second half. Um, just played a great ball game and then Last night, just a, a great way to, to end five consecutive days of football to start the season in Durham. Um, Mike Elko and, and Duke uh, took down a, a great program in, in Clemson and, and uh, you know, an ACC conference game early in the season. So uh, really proud of how we started the year. Uh, and in the end, though, it's just trying to be there for our teams, our coaches, and our student-athletes. What's that like as a commissioner when you see a team like Duke? Is Elko's building something there? I mean, that's that that's impressive. But you see a Duke take down a preseason top ten team like for like like they did in Clemson. What's that like for a commissioner to watch that? Yeah, it's um, you know honestly the the non conference games you can you can cheer a little bit, you can root a little bit um, for your teams. Obviously, yep. when you get to conference play. Ian and Amber, you both know, I, I just don't want officiating to be, you know, the top story of a game in the ACC. And so uh, those are two really good coaches, uh, two really good programs, 
the bell cow for us, you know, over the last decade has been Clemson. Um, they've won seven of the last eight championships. Uh, but last night, uh, Duke deserved to win. They, they played very well. And Mike Elko has done just a fantastic job in, in his second year. They finished nine and four last year. Uh, obviously, have gotten off to a good start after one week this year. Um, the, the atmosphere was electric. Uh, it just was fantastic. And, and the four games that I talked about earlier, all four of those crowds were, were amazing. Yep. And, um, and to see it finish up on, on uh, Monday night the way it did, I, I think it was good for TV ratings and, and the rest of it. But uh, I think uh, in, indicative of how good the conference is and how balanced the ACC is. It was a privilege to, to catch up with you at LSU Florida State. Your son James is trying to steal all of our jobs. He's a little aggressive. We need to back <laughs> off a little bit. Uh, but week one interconference matchups, how important are these for not just in week one, but throughout, spread out throughout the season? How important are, are these type of games for college football, for intercollegiate athletics? They're, they're, they're really important. I think both, you know, you, Ian, and Amber. The beauty of, in this case, college sports um, are you have a chance to have uh, games that, as the season goes on, you, you, you know you kind of bunker into you know more of the traditional conference play. And so, when you can play uh, other great conferences like we have in FBS, uh, I think that it's exciting. It, it, it's um, certainly well attended. Uh, the viewership is off the charts because. Uh, these games don't come around that often, and and it, it seems like the off season is longer and longer for all the college football uh, fans. They can't wait for it to start, so it it, it really sets a, uh, a somewhat of a narrative. And and right or wrong, we've been on both sides of the equation where we've gotten off to a really good start, like we have this past weekend, and and maybe not so good. And and that sometimes creates the narrative for the rest of the season, and you're you're trying to win back some of those arguments about how good your 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 conferences or how good certain schools are and so when you can get out of the gate fast and you can have the success that we have again just in week one um it's a really good narrative that's out there and and what you have to do is you got to follow it up with a with a similar kind of repeat performance in, in week two so uh you you all you both know the the, the you know the ups and downs of a season and um, and so you do really take it as coaches say one game at a time, but 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 a lot of fun to start the season that way. ACC's Commissioner Jim Phillips joining us here on Amber and Ian. So certainly a lot of fun this time of year. It's also a crazy time uh, in generally for all commissioners of all conferences with conference expansion. So, Commissioner, of course, we have to ask you about the news that the ACC is adding Cal. It's adding Stanford. It's adding SMU. It's hard not to notice that Cal and Stanford are something like 2,600 air miles away from Miami. So why those schools? Yeah, it's a great question, Amber. And, uh, you know, two years ago, two and a half years ago, the landscape looked completely different. And conferences were pretty much regionally based, and you kind of stayed in your footprint. The movement over the last 24 months, the last two summers, has really warranted, I think, all conferences to look at it more nationally now. Um, and we certainly have been the latest example uh, of that with with um, the new additions of Stanford, Cal, and SMU. And 
I will tell you, we had long conversations about, um, you know, what to do relative to expansion. And one of the top priorities was how will this be for our student athletes, our current student athletes and the student athletes of the new schools that will join the conference next summer. And we feel that we have a really good plan in place. We've already started on putting it together um, and trying to eliminate the number of trips uh, back and forth from east to west or from west to east, uh, talking with the athletic directors, talking with student athletes, et cetera. And um, in the, at the end of the day, uh, these are two tremendous markets uh, for the ACC to be in, in Northern California, San Francisco area, and then the Dallas-Fort Worth area. And these schools remind uh, all of us of, of some of our ACC, ACC current schools. So you have um, a, a natural attraction there. It, it puts us at 18 members overall with the Big Ten, the Big 12, and SEC of 16 members. And I, and I think it, it allows you to stabilize your conference uh, during a period of where there's some you know instability across the country. And, um, and so we're, uh, we're very mindful of the – student athlete experience here and uh, we'll be digging in deeper to make sure that um, you know things w- work out well. Having said all of that and as we turn you loose we greatly appreciate your time Commissioner how do you see the future of college athletics if you had a crystal ball what do you see how the landscape looks three four five years down the road? You know the future we've had some some radical changes but it, it's um, you know, I, I wouldn't say you know it's a uh, uh, it's, it's every year is going to be like the last couple of years. I think it's going to settle down a little bit. We'll continue to uh, make sure that we're providing great experiences. But uh, again, I think all of us that love college sports want to make sure that we do not foreclose on opportunities for young people. And, um, and so that's what I would say would be a driver as we go forward and, and something we should all be paying attention to. Certainly a wild time right now in collegiate sports. I'm sure there is never a dull day for the commissioner of the ACC, Jim Phillips. Thanks, Jim, so much for joining us. Amber, Ian, thanks. Always a pleasure. Thank you, boss. It must be wild to be that guy right now, right? Any of these commissioners oh. of these conferences in it's, the power, of, it must be. It's a dog-eat-dog world, and the Pac-12 was wearing milk bone underwear. <laughs> there you go. I mean, that's, that's the bottom line. And when you, when you look at, at the future, I mean, he was being kind there. But Gene Stallings told me this when he was the Alabama head coach back in 1994-95. And I, I completely dismissed it. And he was, Beebs was spot on then. He said the future, because this right after the SEC expanded back then, and I think it was 1990 with mm-hmm. Roy Kramer, then the commissioner of the Southeastern Conference. He said that college football is going to end up with three mega conferences. Back then? 1994-95. Gene wow. Stallings said that. And I've told this story a million times because you know what? That man had a crystal ball. No kidding. And it might end up being three. We got two already. Mm -hmm. And Jim Phillips, who's a remarkable commissioner, year two on the job in the ACC, and also Brett Yormark are making that big push to try and be that third mega conference that Gene Stallings was talking about all those years ago. It's what you have to do right now. It's how you have to navigate things. I mean, it was only a couple weeks ago that we had – some of the rumors, oh, will FSU end up leaving the ACC? Will Clemson, what happens? They're locked into that TV rates deal for so long in the ACC with us here at ESPN. And now look, and now they're expanding. They're bringing in more schools. They don't want to be left behind. And that's exactly how you have to navigate things if you're the commissioner right now of any of these conferences. Coming up next here.
here on the first night of Amber and Ian. What is going on with the Las Vegas Raiders? It is not only collegiate sports that have the drama. It is professional football as well. We'll get back to the NFL. Amber and Ian's on ESPN Radio. There's a party here in this studio because there are four... Three. Wow, I can count. Wow, it hasn't been that long of a day. Three to my radio knowledge, hosts. Be no math. <laughs> There's three radio hosts sitting right here. Not four. Three. Uno, dos, tres. Right. Three radio hosts sitting in the same studio. A rarity for any of us at this point. It is the debut here of Amber and Ian. And right after Amber and Ian is the debut of Game Night with Q Myers. So Q now in studio with Amber and Ian. Like this. Is that mic on? I don't, I don't think, think I don't think on. his mic's on, Rachel. There we go. There we go. Right there. You knew it was going to happen, Q. I'm sorry. I know. I think Rachel just hating on me. I still don't think it's on. She's just not used to. She's really not used to having three hosts in the studio. Four would really throw her for a loop. You, we we asked you to come in right before you do like another 88 hours of radio. Of course, done your show out in Las Vegas. to talk Chandler Jones and Raiders. But we'll touch on that in a moment because some crazy stuff happened with the team you covered day in day out. But I can't believe what I just heard. So you've been here since 7 a.m. this morning on campus, 7 a.m. I, I want to say about 7.30, 7.45. Why did you get here that early? Uh, well, see, yesterday, <laughs> what had happened was... <laughs> here we go. The story starts with that. <laughs> yeah, here we go. So I was in the hotel, and I was hanging out with Joe, and I was hanging out with Amber, and we were talking, and this is the first time I've been to campus. So Amber was doing me a solid, and it was like, well, you have to go in, you have to go through security, get there early, make sure you have some time for security. Right. Some time. Not like five hours time, but like, hey, don't show up like right when we have to actually be here for the first event because it's a big day here at ESPN. We launched the new lineup. So we're all here on main campus at Bristol, Connecticut. He had never Q Ian. Ian's losing his mind right now. Q had never been here, so I was like, hey, make sure, because they're going to make you go to security. He's yeah. going to have to get an employee. search, Q. He's going to have to get an employee badge. I got my badge. And they have to, get, <laughs> they have to do photos. He's got, they've got to print out the badge <laughs> yeah. so that he can get in it everywhere yep. here at ESPN. So I was just doing him a solid, like, hey, she don't did. show up. She did, I, she did do me a solid. There seems to be have been a miscommunication because I meant like, hey, if our first event's 1130, get here at 11, not like get but, here at 7. Right. <laughs> I mean, she meant like 1030, no, coach. No, but there's, I know, but there's another <laughs> element. There's another element to this. I also was meeting with Tara, right? Your Sister Switch, right? Awesome. She is amazing. So I was meeting with, with her and it was around 1130, but it was really 830 on the schedule, right? 8.30 West Coast time. Oh. So uh, I also was again, early. Math. I was early yes. for the meeting, but I was really early for the meeting. So it wasn't, it wasn't Amber's fault. It, she did me a solid. She really did. But, you know, I took there, it to another level. There was a miscalc. You took yeah. it to another level. From yeah. now so on, when you got here at 7.30, was any, like, were any of our bosses here yet? Like, what have you been Justin was you here. Doing? Justin oh, was here. Mike rolled in a little bit afterwards. Okay. The thing about it is I look like the best student ever on yeah, the first do. day of school. Right? Yeah, you do. You outshine us all. It's the first time I've you had, ever been. You were the been, first one with your hand up. Hey, man, it's the first time I've ever been on campus first. <laughs> oh, <laughs> ever, my gosh. Ever. Ever. We're going to need the clip the from Chevy pay. Chase and SNL as President Ford. It was, to my knowledge, it would be no math. 
just on the button bar because I have a private I have a feeling that this show is going to have some issues with math. <laughs> I mean, this if Amber can't count to three, count to okay, three. Right. we're off to a My really bad start. I'm five hours early. Look, and I, I came from West Coast to East Coast, though, so you know, and I didn't have a lot of sleep, and so I just I, I roll with it. So you have been here. So, so Q Myers has been on campus here in Bristol, Connecticut. So yeah. Seven thirty this morning. You are going to be on air tonight until one a.m. And yes. in there, you have done. A local show in yep. Vegas. You've got your Raiders show. You are the resident Raiders guy here. I'm that guy. At ESPN Radio. You are that guy. So we have a Raiders story. Okay. So that's why we had to bring you in, of course. Shocking. Chandler Jones. Uh, drama with Las Vegas. I know it's shocking to you. You never right. see it with this team. Chandler Jones, he went on his Instagram story and he put up a post. Bleep it. I don't want to play for the Raiders if that's my head coach or GM. I want Patrick Graham, Ivy League, bleep. Right. Okay? Then, yeah, of yeah. course, he deletes the, the doesn't post. matter. Because that's what the kids do these days. It doesn't matter. We right. all see it. We all have the quote. What do you make of all this? It was wild to me, right? And as I'm cruising around campus here, I keep seeing it. I was like, what's going on with Chandler Jones? What? What is? Because it's not his character. I mean, Chandler Jones is a guy that seems like he always has the right thing to say. He's been in the league for a long time. Very respectful to the media, to the coaches. So to see that, I just thought that, you know, what in the world's going on? Who put that out? That doesn't seem like Chandler Jones. And, you know, reading further on those comments, it was like he's basically locked out of the the facility. And you guys know, and this is what I said locally, was that doesn't sound like a, a lower level. Like if the Raiders facility is three levels, three floors, that sounds like something that was called from the third floor, not the first floor, right? If you're locked out. If what led to this? I don't know. That's what that's what's so weird. Is that I literally don't know. He he wasn't at practice for a, a couple weeks after the 49ers and the and the Raiders did a joint uh, scrimmage. And then also he showed up at practice last week. That was the first time we saw him. And then this came out today, and this is the week leading up to the first game. Are they trying to Me- keep up with Arizona to tank? Well, no, I was going to say nah. maybe Chandler Jones just didn't get the information that he needed to show up to the security office early uh, so he could get his badge to scan right. into the Raiders facility. I mean, maybe yeah. that's what happened. Like, think know? about that. If all of a sudden this badge <laughs> that I got this morning doesn't work, I don't think that that came from, like, Justin. That came from someone up that was like, uh-uh, we ain't having that dude in the building. Unless it's a glitch. Like, this makes no sense. He He ends up. Putting out there, it's a shame that I am a top athlete with 112 sacks in the NFL and I have to go to a local gym right. to work out during the season for no apparent reason. Yeah, that's not a glitch. But, right? But what, I mean, but that's like, not a glitch. Why would you want your guy to have to. What? Yeah. Good question. I have no idea. And really, honestly, I, I think that there's got to be so much more to this that there's either been some back and forth that's been bad blood. I mean, he put in that that post that they reached out to his baby mama. Like He called her a BM, right? Baby mama and says, I haven't talked to her in like five years. And so I'm thinking, is there some is there some health and wellness situation going on? And they're reaching out to whoever they know. I mean, I, I honestly, I don't know, but I feel like that this is not what it looks like on the surface. I feel like this is way deeper than what we're looking at. So it's not a tank job. It has nothing to do with arriving too early because you couldn't do math or someone gave you bad no. advice. Even though it, well, it was good advice. advice. It was great advice. Great advice. I said well intentioned. Bad reputation right? around here. But this is one where, again, by all accounts, he's been a model teammate everywhere he's been. Everywhere. Everywhere. And that's why I think that it has to be some kind of... I don't want to, I, I mean, mental health situation, health and wellness, whatever. And if they reached out to the baby mama and that's all they knew from five years ago, I'm thinking that that's a Patrick Graham connection, something that they had a connection with there when they were at the Patriots or something. It is, how do I phrase this? 
Is he the, is he the only one that, that is not working out at the facility? That he has to go to a private gym? I, that, that that would be that would be my assumption. I'm, I feel like everyone else is there at the facility. So it, it, yeah, and there's like twenty six and a half million dollars if they were to move on from him in dead money. And right, that's what doesn't make sense. That to doesn't me make about any this. sense, right? Like unless he's causing a disruption, which we hadn't heard. You hadn't heard anything no, about. No, right? when would Chandler Jones cause in. a disruption? Thank you. He doesn't. He's not that guy. Right. So, but I mean, I know there's been incidences before when he was back in New England where like he turned himself in with some, I don't know, some synthetic whatever yeah that was that that was that noid stuff man yeah, yeah, yeah that was yeah. That, you, like you smoked that you're seeing dragons right so i don't know what's allegedly. going on right <laughs> so yeah allegedly <laughs> i wouldn't know <laughs> i was trying to help you out there that was good look she always is there to have your back <laughs> always see i'm helpful with the helpful advice that is q myers he is coming up next on game night this has been amber and ian we back tomorrow we're back tomorrow It was my understanding that there would be no math.